This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hello, guys. I'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast. I'm still flying high after recording this with Krista. We just got off together and... The guest today is Krista from Almost 30 Podcast. She is the co-founder and co-host of the podcast that I've been listening to for the last three years. The realness this girl brings to this earth, to her podcast, to her content is everything. And you guys know, I think by now, that I'm all about that, just following and tuning in with people and to people who are very much in alignment with their self, not necessarily doing what the crowd's doing, but finding their own way and sharing about it in the most authentic way. So Krista is on today and I just want to tell a funny little story before we get to the episode. I was like really excited for this because I feel like it's a really big deal in my eyes. Like Krista's a queen. And last night I was saying to Vinny, Ashley, um, the podcast manager helped to coordinate this. And I, I think I gave her the email and maybe her Instagram handle, but I started to panic. Like, what if I gave them the wrong email and we have like a different Krista Williams coming? And or they didn't have the right email. I'm like, Krista's really coming to Evolve by Erica, the podcast. And Vinny was making a joke like, yeah, you're going to show up and this <laughs> different person's going to be there and you're going to be like, oh my God, what am I going to talk to this Krista Williams about? This is not who I wanted on the podcast. But she showed up and she was here and she had every intention of being here and was actually so grateful. Not that I'm surprised at all, but like her gratitude was so warming and she is just a humble being of light. And with no further ado, I'll let you get into the episode and enjoy it for yourself. And if you're guided to at the end, please rate and review and just share some love if you're enjoying the podcast because that helps us to reach more people who want to tune into these topics as well. So thank you for being here and enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining me and thank you for being here today. I am so excited to have you and so humbled and honored. I've been listening to your podcast since 2020 and I just look at you as a true podcast queen. I'm like not one of those girls that uses like the queen word a lot, but I'm throwing it out there with you right now. <laughs> so thank you for being here. I'll take it. We've been doing it for a long time, like seven years now. So um, I would say that we started when it wasn't really that cool and we didn't really know what we were doing. And we were some of the first, just I've never been a, a first in many things in my life, but I do feel like we were sort of on the edge with podcasting. So I will take that title. I love that. And that actually leads me to some questions I had for you. Like what what did guide you to start Almost 30? And being that it wasn't very popular at the time, what was your idea of like what it would turn into? Yeah. So for anyone listening, Almost 30 is a podcast that I do with my best friend, Lindsay Simsick. And what really inspired the show that we've been doing now for seven years, it's our full-time thing. We have a team of 10 and it's really my purpose and passion here in life is that Lindsay and I felt so alone. You know, we felt like we were at a point in time when we met where our lives weren't turning out to be what we wanted them to be. I had this desire to be a soul cycle instructor, a blogger, an entrepreneur, all these things. Lindsay had pursuits that she wanted to achieve in her career as an actress and relationships were not really working for her. We were just in this huge transition period and we didn't know, but we were actually 
in our Saturn return. So the Saturn return is this period in time in your late 20s, early 30s for some that really helps to bring forward aspects of your life and experience for review. So what is working for you and what isn't? And sometimes this experience can be really challenging. You can feel really alone. You can have breakdowns in your relationships, your career, in your body, and it's all meant for your highest good, but during the time can be really challenging. Um, so we felt like we were the only ones that were experiencing this upheaval or this reevaluation and that and people that had a desire to feel less alone and also to create purpose in our life. Um, so the podcast had really the biggest intention to support ourselves in our evolution, to be something that we loved to do, to be something that we could come towards and be ourselves and express. And so we started it on our closet floors. We recorded for seven to eight months on the closet floor before we shared anything. We had our friends call in and act like they were listeners to the show. I love it. It was hilarious and ridiculous, but we had no idea what we were doing, but we just knew that what we were doing was what we loved and we felt called to do it. So there was only des the desire to serve ourselves and to be something for us that was meaningful and purposeful. And then obviously the mission expanded. But for people that I work with with podcasts, I always say like, the foundation of what you do should be in service to you and your soul first, and then secondary in service to others. Because if we don't have that foundation of serving ourselves and our soul, it won't be something that we're able to do long-term. We'll probably end up stopping because we can't control how the world reacts to what we create, but we can control how our soul feels about what we're doing. I absolutely love that. And that speaks so true to me. I don't know if you know, but I was an elementary school teacher for the last 11 years of my life until I had this spiritual awakening. And through plant-based and through kundalini, I woke up to this whole new life I was living and just felt that I needed to share and simply because it could help other people, but it fulfilled me. And being on this journey on my own, solo for the most part, um, it's just so nice to hear that because it is a reminder to myself, like, okay, you just follow, you just follow what does fulfill you and you find others on the way that need to hear that message or need to hear what you're sharing. That is such a cool story. And I love, uh, do you have anything in your chart that kind of symbolizes how like you, you were, um, you were doing something that wasn't cool yet. It was ahead of the times. Is there anything in your chart that kind of shows that aspect of you? Yeah. So a few things. So, um, if you study astrocartography, which is really a looking at, um, where planets are in your chart at the time of your birth and astrocartography can be really supportive of people to understand places on the earth that are going to be supportive for them or hard for them or transformational for them in their lives. So I moved to Los Angeles and Los Angeles actually crosses both my Mercury and my Pluto line. So my line of communication, which is a podcast, and then my line of death and transformation. The show is all about transformation and evolution. So that was huge for me and coming to Los Angeles to start the show with Lindsay. And then also I have Mercury and Aquarius, which is conversation, communication, exploration. It's really that part of me that's so curious and that can hold two truths, that can look at nuances in a really beautiful way. And then I'm a Sagittarius moon. So Sagittarius moon is someone that is a little bit of a rebel, um, someone that can think outside the box and do things a little bit differently. So I do have a lot of elements in my chart that I think really serve this. And I think it was something where podcasting really fulfilled something for me 
even before I started it, I had this desire to grow and evolve that I didn't know how to express in the life that I was living. I was working full-time jobs in the corporate world really unhappily, and I wasn't having deep conversations in a lot of my relationships. So I felt like I could go to podcasts to fulfill that desire and need to learn and grow and evolve and almost be surrounded by mentors and people that I really looked up to. So my deep desire with podcasting really led to wanting to create something or be a part of a community of people that were expressing in that way. So a few parts of my chart and then just like a true desire um, to create one. Beautiful. And it does. It expands beyond the podcast into such a community aspect. And I know that you have a membership and you have retreats and events bringing people together. It's really incredible what you guys have built together. Uh, while you were on the floor recording this in your closet, did you guys have a job at the time? Or did you leave your jobs and you were just pursuing this? What were you doing in those moments? Yeah, I love to talk about this because um, I know for so many people when, you know, they have a purpose or passion to create or to express or they find something that they really love, it can feel like that desire where you're like, I want to do this full time. This, I want this to be everything that I do. Um, so when Lindsay and I first met, I had actually quit my full time job to pursue blogging full time. So I was working as a server, as a babysitter. I was working weird odds and ends jobs in Los Angeles. And so I had a lot of extra time for us to create it. And then a few months into the podcast, I decided to get another full-time job in the corporate world. So for most of the podcast, when we were building it, I was working full-time at a corporate job. And this is the years when we went on tour, when um, we hired our first employee, when we really did so much. And I wouldn't say it was healthy. You know, I wouldn't say that I felt really good in my body. I wouldn't say that I felt really balanced. I wouldn't say that it was easy. And I wouldn't say that it was really sexy or glamorous or that I was calm or that I was a pleasant partner to be with or a good friend during that time. But it felt necessary for me to really focus on something and really build something while there was so much momentum around it. And I don't know if I'd do it differently. And I'm not someone that's like an advocate of hustle culture at all, or people, you know, burning the candle at both ends or sacrificing their health or relationships for things. But I just want to paint a realistic picture that it wasn't like it is today where I have spaciousness and balance and, you know, a team that's working for me. It was years of not knowing if I could do this full time, not knowing if we were going to make money, not knowing if it was going to amount to anything, not knowing if, you know, what we had could be a business and really just continuing to work each day after work, before work, sometimes during work on something that we really, really loved because we loved the process of it and not because we thought it was going to get us an outcome of an escape from the job. And I think a lot of people go into their side hustles and they put this pressure on their side hustles or their passions to become their full-time jobs because they want to escape their current job. That's not how it works. We can't suffocate our creations like that and force them to be something that they aren't. We need to really water and nourish them because we love them and because we love the process, not because we just love the outcome. And I'm sure you can relate to parts of this, you know, being someone that created something so special when you were previously working in an unaligned job, it's not easy to be in that in-between process and to not know, um, but it's so important for our growth. It is. It really is. And I always say when people ask, like, I, I think it's amazing for people who could say, 
F this, I'm out. I have nothing, but I'm going to build it from the bottom up. That just was not me. I needed to keep my job so that I didn't energetically suffocate or strangle what I was bringing into the world because it was a true expression of my soul and it wasn't about money. It wasn't about bringing in. It was truly about helping people and reaching people and doing what I was passionate about. So I hear you. Um, And I think it's important for people to hear as well because it's amazing now that you have the time, the room, the space to breathe and feel so aligned to yourself but there sometimes are days where um, it does take a lot of work and we're doing things where maybe we're not most aligned we're not getting the rest we need we don't have the balance but eventually it's helping us to get there and I think just trusting in the laws of the universe and the law of least resistance I believe it could be both ways I could believe in some people's path the hustle has to happen and the hard work plays a really big part and you reap the benefits of all that hard work and then I also think that things can come from attraction as well so it's really like finding that balance um when did you guys know like wow this is this is going to be our full-time job like how was that transition for you yeah so I had because I had tried to make blogging my full-time job previously I had no plan I was kind of absorbing and reading the information that was like, if you love it, you need to go for it. Like, just go for it. Just go for it. If you want to do it, you need to make it your full-time focus. And that wasn't really looking at like what subconscious beliefs were happening. It was really just like the conscious mind belief of trying to make things happen by sheer will rather than like understanding the energetics of things. So I was really scared to quit and go full-time. I was really nervous. I wasn't sure it was going to work. I wasn't sure that um, we had enough. You know, I wasn't in my worth around if we could make it full time. So our journey to figuring out to quit, you know, took a long time. And I eventually ended up quitting before Lindsay. Um, Lindsay did. Lindsay quit quit like six months after. But I remember a moment that was very expansive for me. And we got asked to speak at an event in Los Angeles. And we were hosting um, like an all-day wellness event, which was um, an invitation from a listener that worked at a company. And I remember her telling us the rate of this speaking event and it required two hours of our time. And the rate she said was the same amount that I got paid bi-weekly. So I remember thinking in two hours of doing something I love that feels like me, that feels easy and feels expansive, I can be paid the same amount as 40 plus hours of doing something that doesn't feel aligned, that doesn't feel expansive and doesn't feel easy. So this was a sign for me that there is ease and flow when I'm being myself and doing something that I love. And that moment just was really a message for me of where I want to go and how I want to live my life and how I want to spend my time mostly. You know, I no longer wanted to um, serve a mission or focus that didn't feel like it was worth it to me. So after that point, it's really unsexy, um, but I really planned out if I had enough money in the bank for the next six months if we had cash flow projected for the next six months, and if we had enough, and cash flow basically means, do we have enough deals coming in? Do we have enough of a vision where money is coming in to support us in the business in the long term? And then as a last point, just thinking, you know, if this didn't work out, I could still do something else that was even more aligned than what I was doing before. So remembering that if this doesn't work, 
it's okay. There's also still other more aligned opportunities that could work even better than this and not continuing to strangle it again to be something that it has to be. Um, but it's a long journey. And I think for a lot of people, like even for you, when you were talking about that balance, it's a really deep process you have to go through to find the worthiness to really believe that you could do something that you love full time and get paid for it. Like that is such a paradigm shift that I think people really don't understand how ingrained it is to believe that we have to work really hard. We have to, you know, work for someone else. We have to work nine to five. We have to work in these specific ways to break all of those paradigms kind of takes a long time. So just honoring the process that people go through for that. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing all of that. How do you balance like I, first of all, if the listeners haven't listened to your podcast, they absolutely need to. And some of the most transformational podcasts I've listened to were from you guys. I remember, well, first of all, the Zach Bush episode, like beyonds, beyonds. That one just really stands out to me. But another one, um, which is on the topic of what we're talking about, is where you share how your nervous system almost had to you almost had to like reteach your body like after quitting a full-time job while doing the podcast it was like okay nervous system actually we're not gonna work like that anymore and things do not have to feel that stressful and we're allowed to have that downtime we're allowed to find ease um yeah like those two just really stand out to me because that's something that I specifically went through and I still go through where I find myself sometimes comparing to like not the nine to five but like the workday structure and like okay well right now it's 2 p.m and I should be working but really I am I'm, I'm uh, a projector by the way so I'm like okay I really need a lot of rest I need to go within I don't feel inspired right now and I need to honor that so what are some ways that you do that for yourself how do you recharge and how do you recharge so that you can find that inspiration for the podcast because you bring such quality and such meaningful conversations thank you um and yeah i think the nervous system point kind of feeds into that so just expanding upon a little bit about what you said or, or what i've explained about the nervous system if we think about our experience working as a teacher or in a nine-to-five job you know for eight years um working at a nine-to-five job that meant that i was getting up sometimes at 5 a.m to work out before work have my own time do my own rituals getting in the car for an hour being at a desk for eight hours, being in the car for an hour, coming home. And so we're training our bodies for years and years and years to be in that state, to be in that flow, to have these moments of stress, of fear, of tension, to not move our bodies really a lot during the day. And so from a nervous system level, we're really training our, our, our bodies to be experiencing this thing. So what I realized was that when I got out of my corporate job, that my body was still trying to be in that same flow of stress in the morning, of cortisol in the morning, of needing to be working from nine to five. And if I wasn't working from nine to five, something was wrong or I was not going to make it or everything was going to fall apart. And my body was sending signals to my mind that my mind was basically interpreting as if I don't work nine to five or more in the same flow that I've been working, everything's going to fall apart and you know I'll never succeed. Um, so we really have to re work with the body and the nervous system to break the patterns that we created while working the nine to fives. So um, somatic work, breath work was really powerful and really just being aware through that process. But that's been some of the deepest work that I've had to do because what I see oftentimes with entrepreneurs is we're out of the corporate world paradigm, but we're still working nine to fives or even more than nine to five. So for me, I wanted to 
out of that paradigm and not do that anymore. But I was noticing that I was still working from nine to five. And if someone was bothering me during that time, it was not okay. I was stressed out and I had to be anxious about it. I was just so anxious about protecting that time. So there's an unwinding that we have of the nervous system that we really have to do. Whether you're working a corporate job or any type of job, I think all of us could use some nervous system um, unwinding, which is really, really important for us to be thinking about as we make that transition. And then the second, what was the second part of your question? Practices, which you've kind of touched upon, the somatic breath work or some practices that you use to, I guess, realign, but also practices that you have to tap into inspiration because as a creator, I'm not sure if you feel this, but it's like, it's just constant and the pressure, um, whether it be for a podcast or for TikTok or for Instagram or for whatever other platforms we're on, emails, whatever it is, um, I just feel like it's like this constant output. And do you have any practices that help you to realign, recharge and find that inspiration within yourself? Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, this is huge and I struggle with this as well. And for me, I wanted to sort of take that feeling where I was giving the black mirror, my phone, all of my life force energy and all of my chi, and all of what I had. And I think that's what's so dangerous about social media is that things like TikTok or things like Instagram, it is bottomless. You could create a story, a reel, a post, a tweet, a Snapchat, a whatever, until the cows come home, until you perish. You could continue to do that and it would still never end. The trends would never end. You know, the everything would never end. So I've taken sort of that back, you know, that feeling of energy back to me and where I'm now more focused on getting that life force energy and that reciprocal energy in my relationships and in my friendships. And so that means First of all, loving myself enough to believe that I'm worthy of deep, meaningful relationships and love and doing the self-work to be able to receive. And I think in this year, I've learned to receive more than ever. And that is what fills me up in addition to having a relationship with source, with God, the creator, goddess, whatever feels really good for you. That is my ultimate sustainer. That is my ultimate source for energy, for life force, for for chi. And when I look at other sources outside of it, that is when I find myself depleted. When I'm looking at another person to be my life force, when I'm looking at Instagram to be my life force or my job to be my life force, or, you know, a friend to be my life force, it's never going to sustain me in the way that a relationship with the creator or God or source or goddess is going to sustain me. So I look for that first. And then as far as inspiration, um, I think we all know this, but not being active on social media and looking at everyone else's lives and blueprints is the best way to find inspiration. And Carl Jung is a really powerful part of my experience in life. And Carl Jung talks about if you, if the path in front of you is clear, then you're following someone else's blueprint. And I think for a lot of us, if we are change makers, if we are pattern breakers, if we are, you know, these iconic beings that are here to create and bring new things into the world, it may seem funky and it may seem out of the blue and it may seem different and it may seem weird, but that means it's right. Because I think so many people try and follow other people's blueprints on social media. Social media is a basic blueprint app to people's lives. If you look at my page or someone else's page, you look at, okay, blueprint is, this is what the kitchen should like. This is what my outfit should look like. This is what my um, job should look like. This is how I should express in the world. These are the things I shouldn't say. These are the things I should say. 
And then we apply it to our lives because we think it's going to make us happy or we think it's going to make us feel whole because this person we saw feels happy and whole. So how can we really take the power back to our own lives and creativity and take spacious time away from social media so that we can regain true creativity that isn't just copying someone else or isn't just something that is inauthentic actually to what we want to create. So I have someone that does my social media. I have someone that does the social media for all the accounts that I run or all parts of the business. I'll pop on when it feels good. Um, I have everyone muted. I tap in with my friends once a month on social media just to see what they're doing and send them love because I want to make sure that I'm still supporting people. But having really good boundaries around social media, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I sometimes find myself, um, it, it's not it's not very fulfilling work. That's, you know, you're sitting there, you're editing a reel and you're like, oh my gosh, where did this time just go? And what did it go towards? Um, so having that team in place, I think is so important, especially when we're tuned in to source and we're wanting to receive as much divine guidance as possible and that's like the direct opposite I feel of that most of the time it's just like a really big energy drain so those are really good tips and um, I'm hoping I'm calling in a lot more support for myself um, with the team because it's essential yeah we've had our, our first intern was her name is Chloe and she became our first employee that worked for us for five years. She was amazing. And now we've had, we have two more employees that used to be interns. So we have really great interns. You should get an intern. They've are incredibly helpful and they potentially could be of support. Yeah. I'm open to all, all of the support, whether it's an assistant, an intern, whatever it is. I think the most important thing for me is finding the one. I'm a Libra sun. So I like have a lot of love to give and I need to feel that like really good connection with someone and just like love on them and feel really, really safe to completely be myself. Um, so that's what I'm calling in. So I wanted to ask you and I, I'm thinking of how to say this because our spiritual journey starts from the moment we're born, but is there a clear moment or experience you had that catapulted you into or onto the spiritual journey that you're on today? That's a great question. I will say when I was living in Chicago, so I'm from the Midwest and a lot of people from my hometown would go live in Chicago um, for their first job. So I had my first job. I was kind of living with all college people. I was really in that sort of mix. And I remember feeling so unhappy and so anxious and so depressed. And those had been feelings that I'd experienced throughout my life. Anxiety and depression, you know, were no stranger to me. But I remember finding the book, The Secret, which is so corny, I know to some, but it was something that really opened my eyes and changed my life and really just exploded everything in a good way so that I could really awaken to transform my life. Because at that time I was working at a job um, that I really didn't feel aligned with. And I was involved in a sexual assault case with my boss that I had worked with for a few years um, where I had my coworkers um, file a claim on my behalf. So being in involved in that case, you know, was really the boulder that the universe had to give me for me to leave and push me to leave and push me towards a life that would be more aligned for me, which was with my previous partner living in New York City. 
Um, and I just remember that moment of like the rock bottom of depression and anxiety in the job situation and feeling so unaligned in the relationships that I had, but also seeing a tunnel or like a path and way out that would look a little bit different than anyone else's. You know, I ended up going to Patagonia for a few months. I ended up kind of stopping drinking, doing a lot of things that felt a little weird, but it really awoke me to the magic of the universe and the support of the universe and the beauty in the universe and really all of the things that were available to me if I let my higher self and soul be, be the guide instead of like the scared version of me that would have stayed at the job forever, that would have stayed in the relationships, that would have stayed in Chicago for the rest of my life because I was in fear. So I would say it's rock bottoms that have really showed me the most spiritual experience and spiritual growth um, of anything that I've ever, you know, been a part of. And thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. And I think in our rock bottoms, it's so essential to have the awareness of how to then come up and have the awareness that it is serving you and that you are growing through that and you're being given a soul lesson. And in those moments, I I look at you and I see so much self-awareness, so much wisdom, um, the ego is not very present and it's just a lot of truth and a lot of um you can ju- you could just tell the deep work that you do so have there been practices books teachers i know you mentioned carl young but any any others that have really helped you be on the path that you are and be in the place that you are today yeah i think one of my and thank you for that and one of my favorite things i would say that has been something that i've grown to know in the past couple years is called internal family systems and internal family systems is incredible um it's founded by someone named dick schwartz and it's something you can do with a therapist but you can also apply the tools and principles to your life at any time and internal family systems really helps us understand the capital s self the true self or soul and this is the ever-present perfect part of us that has been there all along. The voice inside of us that is the most kind, the most loving, the perfect part of us that exists at all times and wants the best for us. And then there are also other parts of us that are created through trauma or other experiences that can be activated or can be a part of our experience. And so when we realize that when we're triggered or when we're mad or when we're anxious or when we're jealous or when we're experiencing the multitude of these feelings that it's not actually us it's something that we're experiencing and this is also part of like Buddhist principles or EFT tapping it kind of all touches that but the feelings and experiences that we're having are not actually us it's just something that we're experiencing so being able for me to unblend the times where I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or jealous or depressed or whatever it is from the true me and knowing that I have access to the true me has been so, so, so helpful so that I could meet all parts of me, get to know them, love them, understand them and integrate them. So as an example, you know, I'm someone that struggled a lot with my body and the relationship I have to my body and food. And that is because there was a part of me that was created through trauma that believes that I have to control food to be loved. That's not the real soul me. The soul me doesn't want me to be on diets. The soul me doesn't want to be counting calories. The soul me doesn't want to be controlling my food. The soul me wants to live and experience a nourished life. But there's a part of me that is controlling and wants to make sure that if I eat 
if I don't eat a lot, that I'll look a certain way and then receive love. So getting to know that controlling part of me and loving her because she was created to protect me. She saw and thought that if I ate too much, then I wouldn't be loved. Or if I looked a certain way, then I'd be abandoned. And so how can I really get to know and love her as part of my experience so that I can integrate her and become more of the whole me? So it's about loving all parts. Because I think when we talk about self-love and self-care and self-awareness, where do we start? You know, what do you, what do people mean? It's like, what do you mean? There's so many different sides of me. I, you know, I'm different with this person than I am with this person. And I've changed so much. And my sun sign is that, you know what I mean? There's so many different ways that we can understand ourselves. So to really believe and understand that we have that soul as the guide, and then the rest of these experiences become parts has been really, really helpful. And then I would say, secondly, therapy. You know, therapy has been incredibly helpful for me, just really being self-aware because I can have as much self-awareness as I can, but what's in my shadow, you know, I can't see. The shadow is a shadow for a reason. So being able to really work on and see and get to know my shadow in a way that feels safe has been so powerful. So I can't say enough good things about therapy. Beautiful. Thank you. I love that, that anything in your shadow you can't see. I actually have never heard that before. I'm not sure if you just created that, Um, but it's so true. It's really true. And the awareness is such an important part of the growth because if we're not aware, we can't change it. And having these tools and these mediums to get there is so important. Do you have a daily ritual practice that you do? Do you have a morning routine? Yes, I do. I'm sure you do too. I would love to hear yours after I say. Sure. Um, so my morning rituals is I went through a period where I had to be very strict and disciplined about it. Um, I think in seasons, there are seasons of our life that we need to be mindful of. Sometimes we need discipline. Sometimes we need ritual. Sometimes we need freedom. Sometimes we need to just let ourselves sleep in. So really being attuned to what you need is important. Um, but right now my morning routine, I get up around five. Um, my cats wake me up at 5 a.m., which is, it is what it is. Um, and right when I get up, I'm usually laying in bed um, and just having gratitude, you know, as much as I can in my body and my experience. I'll call all my energy back because um, I'm someone that's a Pisces. So I'm a dreamer. I will be Happy having crazy birthday, dreams. By the way. Thank Happy you. Pisces season. Thank you. Um, So I'll dream a lot. So in my dreams, my soul's kind of traveling all over. So I'll call my energy back to my body in a clean and clear way. So I will do that. And then I will oil pull, which feels really nice. I will tongue scrape. Um, I will do the rebounder, which is a mini trampoline I have in my bedroom. And I'll just kind of shake out my body and move some lymph around, just move my body in a way that feels free and feels good. Um, and then I will usually read A Course in Miracles, uh, which is one of my favorite texts and books. And I will meditate by myself in silence. I will do EFT tapping if it feels necessary. And I'll just kind of freestyle what feels present for me. And then after that, I'll usually have like a oatmeal breakfast, like a protein packed oatmeal breakfast. I eat really early. I usually eat at like 6.30 in the morning because I'm starving at that point. Um, and after I have a really nourishing breakfast, I can kind of do whatever feels good for my day, but I try and get all my rituals and self-care and growth practices in, in the morning when I'm impressionable from that dream state. And I can really kind of work with what's present. Totally. 
Oh my goodness, I love all of that you shared. I find myself calling back my energy as well. Um, I, do, I don't do that as a ritual every day. It's more, and it may be a little too late by the time I'm getting to it, to be honest. I should probably do it daily. But when I finally feel that like depletion, like where is all my energy? I started to integrate that and it's wonderful. Um, so I try to wake up every morning before the sunrise and I sit by my window. It's like these two doors that just look up at the sky. Um, I feel most connected in nature. So I just like need to be looking out a window. Um, and I tune in with the Adi Mantra, Om Namo Gurdiv Namo. It brings me so much peace and so much connectedness. And then from there, breathwork has truly changed and saved my life. So I always incorporate the breath. It grounds the crap out of me. I am such an air sign. And I need, I need to work that energy through with prana. And it just helps to ground me. And lately, what I've been loving so much is chanting. So I've been chanting long echo cars in the morning. Have you practiced that? Remind me what that is. It is, it's considered morning call or long echo cars where you chant through the chakras with a long deep inhale. You start with ek, onkar, and then you pull it up through the diaphragm for sut, out the heart, nam, into the throat for city, and then up to the third eye point and out the crown for waheguru. So it charges up the solar centers, it charges up the chakra system, and I feel like I'm in a protective bubble after that. Like I feel so connected, so buzzy, so bliss. And I'm just like, whoosh. like you just feel the aura go. <laughs> um, and then I've been practicing Mool Mantra as well, which is a root mantra, which helps to root. I didn't know. It's funny. You find what you need. <laughs> it just like comes to you. So I started to chant um, the Mool Mantra, which is a really sacred mantra. And I, I come to learn it's a root mantra and it helps to ground you as well as elevate you. Um, and I need all the grounding that I can get. So that's been my practice and um, it's ever changing. I stick a lot to Kundalini because it has changed my life in the most ridiculous profound way but I think what you mentioned is so important and I remind myself of this too because being that kundalini has changed my life dramatically and now I teach it and I encourage others to practice it every morning if I feel like my practice is slacking or if I only did 10 minutes I'm like how could you do that? You're you're providing some meditations that are up to 40 minutes and you're doing the shorter ones that maybe some beginners are doing, but that's not, it's not this linear process. Um, and we, we so tend to look at it that way. And it's just, you know, giving your body what you need and tuning into yourself. And as much as sometimes I need the heavy duty breath work, other times I can't do any breath work and I just need mantra. So I love that point and I know the audience will love it too because um, this is a very meditation, meditation focused audience. And I think we all just need to be really kind and listen to our intuition always on how we go about every practice or ritual. Yeah. And that's the, you know, the ego versus the soul because the ego is the one that's like, oh my gosh, you're not meditating for 40 minutes every day. How could you be a teacher if you're not, you know, that's not the soul. The soul is like, oh, I love you no matter what. Like, oh, I'd love to spend more time with you. But if it doesn't feel good today, that's totally fine. But I think you and I both can speak to meditation as the foundation for so much of my transformation and growth and really getting to know myself and love myself and 
I think if anyone is interested in a spiritual practice, that that is for me, from my perspective, one of the most important aspects and something that lives in almost all the texts that I've ever read or tapped into, finding a meditation space and practice will be the thing that connects you to yourself and your magic and your source and the earth and just everything that's really good and real about the world. Yeah, and it's just about finding that practice that works for you. And I talk all about the practice I teach, but I'm I'm so excited for everyone and anyone to just find their practice, whether it's what I share, whether it's not what I share. It's just about finding what can help you get to that state because once you're there, it's just bliss exists mm-hmm. and it's within you and you can you can create that and get to that space. I believe you went on a retreat where you stayed in darkness for a while. Am I right? Yes, you're right. Yep. I did a darkness retreat. So. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So darkness retreat, um, I did it in Oregon. It was four days and, or it was four nights and three days in absolute dark in a cave in the middle of nowhere uh, with no one around, no devices, no light um, in a small room that has a bathroom and a bath and a bed. And um, my intention for going in was to find and feel my true essence and to grieve a relationship that was ending for me. So um, when I heard about a friend, Aubrey Marcus, doing the darkness retreat, I said to God, I said, if this is meant for me, please make it easy. And the next day, the founder of the darkness retreat that I went to called Sky Cave Retreats, Scott, emailed me and said, we'd love to have you out. Would you want to come? And so I said, okay, you know, if it's easy and God wants me to do it and and be there, I'm I'm willing. And um, before I went into the darkness, you know, there were a lot of thoughts around what would happen. You know, I had a thought that I would go insane. (laughs) I had a thought that I would like scratch my eyes out. I'm like, what will happen when you're in pitch black? Like it is a very feral feeling to feel like you're trapped. And I'm someone that's incredibly claustrophobic. I love freedom. I move a lot. I talk a lot. I'm very extroverted. I rely on people. I love my work. I'm all of these things. So I knew that it would be one of the hardest things that I would ever do or anyone could ever do because for most people, it's hard for them to sit alone with their thoughts for five minutes or 15 minutes. Um, So having days on end with you and you, and that is it in pitch black, there's no other stimulation is so incredibly challenging and powerful at the same time. So the reason why I wanted to tap into my true essence is because I'm someone that's incredibly empathic and psychic and very in reaction to my environment and the other people. So in, in any experience, even if I'm spending a quiet day at home, I'm in reaction to the weather, to the temperature, to my house, to what's happening on my phone, to um, my cats, to everything in life that sort of comes up, but to remove all stimulus, every single stimulus possible, including things that are seen with our eyes, was just going to be something that was incredibly powerful. So I would say that it helped me to really grieve a lot, to understand the process of truly feeling my emotions and working with what I was going through and being there for myself in a way that I think I've never been there for myself before. And then also to understand um, what it felt like to really be me and noticing it in small moments where I'd be sitting on the floor, we got food, the food was put in a 
um, box that was like connected to the room. So it was put in the box and then we could open the box door, but it still stayed completely black. And just even sitting on the floor, just eating the almonds that I had for that day and, and just like hanging out with myself and just laughing with myself. You kind of seem insane at some point, but it really showed me like that I have this playful nature to me. And there's this part of me that not only grieves, but also can laugh and have fun and feel. But I wouldn't say it was for, I wouldn't recommend it to many people. It's one of the most challenging things you could do psychologically. And it was incredibly challenging, um, but it was something that was incredibly helpful and transformative for me. Wow. Sorry, mm -hmm. how many days was it? It was three days and four nights. Wow. And you mm -hmm. didn't have your phone at all. Where was it? In the um, next room. So there's a, you're in a cabin room and then there's a door that's closed. And then on the other side, you have all of your stuff. So you have your laptop, your phone. And what's funny is my laptop, I spilt water on it before I came. So my laptop actually ended up bugging out and I couldn't even use it. Um, but I had everything like that on the other side, no caffeine even, no supplements, no nothing. So yeah, it was really a stripping down of everything that we feel like we, we need all the time. How dark is dark? <laughs> That is like such a powerful question. I'm so grateful you asked because, you know, I think sometimes when I'm sleeping or when we're in places, we're like, this is dark, but you can still see outlines. You can still see things. You can't even see your hand in front of you. I was you. afraid like, you'd if your say hand that. Is this, yes, I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> wow. There was times like I would wake up in the morning or I'd, who knows if it was morning. I had no idea what the time was. And I almost felt suffocated by the black. The black was like an entity. It was truly this being that I was working with, that I was present with. So I'd wake up and it felt like it was on me. It, felt, it was great. It felt like I wanted to get it off. I was like, get off me. I want space. Because if we have light, we can kind of see spaciousness between things, between us and other things. This actually feels like it's on top of you and it's all over you and it's all consuming. So it can be really, really confronting to be in absolute pitch black. But what happens is, is your pineal gland releases a lot of melatonin because your circadian rhythm is so off because you're in pitch black when your body is used to only producing melatonin at night. And people can have DMT experiences. People can have psychedelic experiences. You can start to like see things because your brain or because your pineal gland is releasing so much melatonin that it eventually creates DMT. I didn't have that experience, but sometimes people also can experience that. So they're actually seeing colors and lights and all these things when it is pitch black. Wow. Wow. And was it a special diet while you were there? I know you said no caffeine, no supplements, but what about the food? It was vegan, plant-based. And um, yeah, so we got food once a day. And it's interesting because before I was like, this won't be enough food. It was a soup, a salad, nuts, berries, um, a peanut butter and jelly, which was the highlight of my whole life there. I promise you that. And then like a chia seed pudding. So at the beginning, I'm like, this isn't enough for me. I'm going to need more. But because you're resting and you're not moving and you're sleeping and you're taking baths and you're kind of just stretching, you don't really get that hungry. And there's also like a con consuming thing where because we're go, 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 we're all over the place. We're in between meetings. We're on calls. We're in our cars. We're doing all this stuff. The desire to kind of consume and be in that energy is so much greater than when you're resting. So I was not hungry really at all during the entire time. I felt incredibly um, 
like satiated with a very small amount of food, which was surprising. Wow. Yeah. And it's kind of like I've heard someone use this term future tripping, where if we if we start to future trip, whether it be about the food or how long you had to be in the darkness, how long the days would feel like that would be it. And it's just the same exact thing in life when we're like, when am I going to be able to make this much or will I be successful or where will I be in 20 years? And it's just all about really coming into the present moment and trying to practice that in each present moment. And I could see if I was to ever do that, that would be the only thing that I would have to continuously remind myself, like just be here now, like that is it. Because otherwise you can truly just psych yourself out and be like, I'm out, I'm out, (laughs) you know? And I'm sure people have done that there. I'm sure there are people who are like, no, this is not okay, I'm out. Yeah, actually the founder says that mostly men quit early. Women actually do better in the dark. I think because we're used to going into the dark, the womb, the feminine, you know, that's really feminine in nature. Um, But the first day, the person who founded it checks on you. So I remember, I remember slipping into sleep almost. It was almost like I was about to sleep for the night. I assumed it was like 9 PM. You know, I'd been up all day. I'm like, and he comes and checks on the door and he's like, Hey, Krista, like, how are you doing? And I was like, so furious. I'm like, this man is waking me up. I'm about to go to sleep. It's 9 PM. How rude. I cannot believe he's here this late. And I gave myself permission that week to say whatever I wanted and be whoever I wanted. So I said, Scott, you cannot come this late at night. Like it is not okay. Now I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I have so many more days here. And he's like, Krista, it's literally 4 p.m. I was like, fuck. And when he said that, my heart sank. I was like, the feeling, I can't even describe it. The anxiety that I had knowing I had not only... 30 more hours, but like five more hours until bed, I wanted to go insane. I felt like I was going to go insane. And all I could do was use my practices, love that part of me that wants to leave, love that part of me that's mad, love the part of me that's scared, and just kind of sit myself, sit with myself through it and try not to run. But yeah, it's it's a whole vibe and the future tripping's huge. You really have to pull yourself back to the present moment, but it's hard because the present moment's not really fun. Like nothing's happening. So being present can be challenging. Absolutely can be. Wow. What an experience. Is there one lesson? I feel like you've impacted, like you've mentioned so many small lessons or really big lessons actually, but is there one that you walked away with? Like, was there one like huge aha moment that would translate? Like, obviously I'm sure you had a lot of self-realizations, but is there one that like other people would connect to as well besides what we mentioned? Yeah. I think the one thing that I was really working on and noodling and I don't have an answer to, Mm -hmm. or I don't have a solution. I don't have like a practice or a tool. I'm not like fully formed or baked on it, but was the idea around unconditional love and conditional love. And I don't know if in my life I've experienced unconditional love, if I'm honest, you know, I think so much of our experience here on earth is conditions and is conditions to love. And so I realized that, um, that fact. And I also realized how I was conditional with other people and I was conditional with myself. Mm. So I was really conditional with myself where I said, I love myself if I look a certain way. I love myself if I'm successful. I love myself if I have friends. I love myself if I have followers. I love myself if. 
and how many times and how many situations I really withheld love for myself because of these expectations my ego had of me. And just realizing the unconditionality of the creator's love and then the conditionality of my love of myself and other people was really heartbreaking. You know, it was really hard to to navigate and be with, but and I don't know if I've, you know, changed to love myself unconditionally, mm-hmm. but I've really been working with and trying to just play with that idea where I can try and love myself no matter what. And I can try and just love myself as I am in this moment, not because I want to change who I am, not because I want to be more successful, you know, have more money, have more followers, have more whatever. How can I be present with me right now and love myself as I am? So the idea of unconditionality and conditional love was really, really big for me. Oh my goodness. I love that message so much. And I feel it is so important now more than ever in just the culture and the society that we're living in and how we're so connected and we have this peek into everyone else's life and what everyone else is doing. And we can go down that compare path so easily because everything is just so accessible. Um, But it felt so good as you were saying that to just say like, I love every part of me. No matter no matter if I reach my goals or not, that's not what it's about. And it's just honoring myself in the here and now and every version of her. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for that. I think it's really beautiful to not only have the visions we hold for ourselves, but also to be like, I love this version that's on her way to that. You know, the person that's here in this moment. Like, Because we focus so much on the future. We're like, I want to be this person. I want to be doing this thing. I want to be living this life. And it's like, we really just forget about the person that's existing here and now and how can we love every single version in the process. And that can really prevent us from also doing work in the future where we're kind of having to go back in time and love the version of us that exists today, where if we loved this version now in the moment, it would make things so much better for our lives and for our experience. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge one. It's a huge one. And it's not like one that I have down. I'm glad it resonated. Totally. And it also, by feeling that energy in the present moment, we're just going to create that next best future because when we feel good, that's what we're generating. And if we can learn somehow, and this is when I teach manifestation, I share that because I think it's such an important piece of like, if you want a new home, like what do you love about your current space that one day you will look back and miss? Like can you feel that love for it before thinking or expecting something more? And um, you reminded me of that and that's it's so true. That's huge. I'm glad you said that. That's something I try and remind myself to practice every single day. It's so important. And that brings us back to the present and just really trying to be here now, enjoying this version, where we are, these experiences, and um, being excited about the future. And I'm just so grateful, so, so grateful to have you here. Um, it's It was so exciting to come in today and see your face. I've been listening to your podcast, like I said, for the last three years. And you're, you bring such a beautiful combination of like some humor. Like I'm always chuckling because you're so funny and the voices you do just crack me up. Plus like this, this very deep soul share that that you provide like you're really speaking from your soul it's felt and you do it in such a beautiful way and you've created such you and Lindsay both have created such a safe space 
in the climate that we're living in over the past three years. So I thank you so much for your work in the world, what you've brought to my life and what you're bringing to so many others and for your time here today because I know it's so valuable and I'm so eternally grateful. Mm, I've had such an amazing time talking to you. You're so special and tapped in. And even from the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm here talking to you. And that means so much that you see that part of me because that's my dream and goal, you know, to be seen for both the depths, but also the light. So thank you. This has been so much fun and I'm so excited to know you. I'm so excited to know you too. And you're doing it like you, your growth, your expansion, um, you just live it, you breathe it, and it's felt, it's seen, and you help to push other people to go there too and feel okay about going to those places and actually push myself to want to explore and continue to go deeper. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. Your tarot deck. So I created two decks. Can you share a little bit about that? We have to. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, thank you. So I'm, I created modern tarot, which is basically making these ancient practices of modern or ancient practices of tarot modern, because I felt like within tarot, a lot of the decks I didn't connect with, I didn't feel like they were modern and cool and earthy and like represented the person that I feel like I am and the people and the women that I surround myself with. Um, so I have two decks. One is the activation tarot, which is like kind of your standard tarot, but in a really non-gendered um, or in a really organic, modern and non-gendered way. And then that law of one tarot is from the book, the law of one, and it's the study of archetypes to help us understand our ascension process. So it's really a tool that was gifted from the Sumerians and the Egyptians and our Venus family to help us in our ascension process. So both are available at moderntarot.com, but are really meant to support people in connecting with their magic and their intuition and all of their gifts, because it's such a beautiful thing when you experience synchronicities with a deck and with cards, there's like no better feeling. So I wanted to have or give people that opportunity to experience and feel their magic. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. So moderntarot.com. So you can find the tarot decks there and share where everyone can find you. Um, Almost30.com is great. Um, And then I'm on Instagram at it's Krista. It's I-T-S-K or I-S-T-A. That's a great place to find me. And then Almost30 is just wherever you listen to podcasts and we have a lot of amazing things there. But I'm really grateful for this conversation and the inspiration and your time. And I would love to meet you in person whenever whenever we can. I would love that so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much to the listeners for being here. Please follow Krista and check her out. I love the posts she shares because it's just this really divine expression of who she is and the divine downloads that she receives. It's just so clear that she's sharing from her soul, no matter where it is, the podcast, Instagram. So check her out and i can't wait to see you guys back thank you for being here may the long time sun shine upon you satnam 